Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Today is part four of Real Estate Agent's Guide to Getting Rich and Staying Rich. So on part four today, um, Julie is still almost over COVID. She's going to be back on the podcast tomorrow. Thank you for all of your um, wonderful notes and you know well wishes and all the rest of it. We certainly appreciate all that. All of us are almost through COVID, and I know some of you guys were paying attention to our reports on Zoe on Instagram. She's doing fine as well. So thank you to all of you for your compassionate um, you know, reminders that all of us are in this together. So that does mean a lot to all of us. And thank you for putting up with me as I kind of muddle through uh, COVID and trying to stick to the point and keep the podcast consistent. I appreciate that as well. This is a topic that is perhaps, well, I guess in my opinion, after you've moved past your ability to earn money consistently in real estate, in my opinion, this is the most important thing because really at the end of the day, you didn't get into real estate to earn awards and plaques and you didn't get into real estate or maybe you did, but eventually you'll realize that those things in themselves are just platitudes and they're not really going to do much for your long-term well-being, certainly financial well-being. And so eventually you'll mature to the point where you're wanting more out of your business than just, you know, recognition, more out of your business than just ego fulfillment. That comes with age as well. And so what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be going, starting with a series of questions, just three questions. Don't worry, everyone, you, you all can answer them. <laughs> There's no right or wrong answer. And then we're going to go into the mechanics, really, summarizing a lot of the points, the mechanics of um, the long-term wealth creation. This is a roadmap that Julie and I employed 30 years ago, and it's worked for us. This is a roadmap that we put in place for many other people. I've not ever seen anybody other than Julie and I present everything like this. Um, I've seen a lot of pieces and parts. There's great books on you know, investing in real estate, great books for investing in finance, great books on money management. Like if you're having, I would suggest many of you need to start out with something like from Dave Ramsey. That's a good fundamental way of getting your money, your money right. And then move on from there. And there's a lot of other ways you can expand your wealth. But like I said, this is not, this is something I've never seen anyone else do before. And it's a, it's taken us 30 years really to get all these points right. And we are always revising and updating. So if I see something change in maybe an LLC structure or an investment opportunity or maybe there's some other reason why we're going to pivot slightly what the long-term wealth building plan is that we employ for ourselves and our family, well, I'm going to share it with all of you as well and certainly with all of our coaching clients. Speaking of coaching clients, yes, you guys can join Premier Coaching for free. Premier Coaching um, is the nation's, from what we understand, what we've been told, the nation's number one coaching program for real estate professionals and included in premier coaching we're going to start having a lot of real estate investing information real estate investing wholesaling things like that those of you who are willing to learn how to uh, you know flip homes that information is going to be in premier coaching as well as all the information you need to build a long-term sustainable real estate uh, sales practice obviously focused on listings and making a lot of profit premier coaching is free did i mention that all you've got to do is text the word premier to 47372. Text the word premiere to 47372. And when you do, we'll text you back a link and it takes about 22 seconds and you can become a member of Premier Coaching. If you prefer to go to the website directly and join, you can do that as well. Uh, just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Members.timandjulieharris.com. Oh, I'm also uh, was supposed to let all of you know that the new probate section, those of you who are looking to generate listings from probate, that section's also waiting for you over on Premier. And yes, Premier does include, in for free, you do get access to a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris Certified Coaches, and that happens every single workday, and that is included with your free membership. So just text the word Premier to 47372. Don't delay on doing that, guys. Here's what happens every year. I know this. <laughs> a lot of you are thinking this as well. I'm going to join Premier Coaching, but I'm going to wait until uh, the new year to join. I'm going to take my real estate business seriously next year. That is the worst thing you can possibly do because then what you're trying to do is build momentum at the same time everyone else is. You want to go into the year with, a, with an actionable business plan. You want to go into the year with momentum. And the time to do that, to start that, is absolutely do that right now. That way when January 1st rolls around, you're actually, you have listings, you have leads, you have cash flow. 
you're not trying to build it. If you want to know how you can beat the, you know, the ups and downs in the income that most agents suffer from, it's exactly what I just said. Most agents wait until the beginning of the year, try to rebuild their business. By the time May or April, May, June rolls around, they start getting closings again. They service those closings. They get those closings done. And by the time August rolls around, they're out of business again. Sound familiar? Maybe there's some lingering closings into October. That's the mistake that most agents make. And they think that's normal because all the other agents they know operate that way. So a hack for that is obviously to you know, become a coaching client, learn how to generate leads consistently, learn how to make money consistently. But one of the easiest things you can do is start your new year the fourth quarter of the previous year, and that's really what August 1st is for all of you. So do not wait to join Premier Coaching. It costs you nothing. Um, it probably will cost you. We're probably not going to make it free uh, starting another two or three months, so I definitely encourage you to join now. Text the word Premier to 47372 or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. All right, so like I said, this is part four of Real Estate Agent's Guide to Getting Rich and Staying Rich. I'm going to get right to my notes. Where are my notes? All right, so here are the questions. Like I told you, these, these are very easy questions to answer. So this is answering the question or helping you get at the root of the, the answer to the question is why do 99% of all agents, why are they blissfully broke? You know, it's not just, that's not just real estate agents. In all reality, everyone's like that. It wasn't always that way, but nowadays, I, I think you guys were probably, um, remember COVID not so long ago, right? You know, March of 2020, and there was a, all these, it turns out, you know, when the world got shut down, everyone was panicked because they didn't have enough money saved, and there was a whole bunch of reports that showed that the average American had less than $1,000 saved. That was pretty incredible. How many generations ago, maybe only 20 years ago, that would have been abnormal. People would always have more savings than that, but people have gotten so used to living off credit. People have gotten so used to essentially not having any savings. It's caused all of us to have very, essentially, our, our brains don't think too far into the future. So as a result, that causes a lot of us not to save for the future. It causes a lot of us not to invest for the future. And so really, you have no financial future that has any resemblance of stability. And that's, some, that's a cycle you do not have to participate. You can actually break that cycle. So question number one, why did you decide to become an agent? Deep down, why did you really, really honestly decide to become a real estate agent? Or if you're a business owner, as I know we have a lot of business owners listen, why did you decide to you know, break the trend, be the weirdo, get the real estate license, or really start your own business, take the risk? You could have taken the easier, more predictable path. A lot of part-time agents listening right now, you know what I'm talking about, right? And I get it. There's security in having a J-O-B. At least, you know, there is. There's more security, certainly, than being 100% commissioned until you learn how to run a 100% commission business. Um, so why did you decide to become a real estate agent? Why? Did you want to be your own boss? Well, you've accomplished that goal. You know, congratulations. You're a real estate agent. You're your own boss. When you, uh, you, you wanted control of your schedule. Okay, good. You got that. Good job. You got a real estate agent, your real estate license. Everything's active. You're good. You, uh, you're your own boss. You have control of your own schedule. Let me guess. The next one is you wanted to own your own business. The romantic notion of the self-made man and woman appeals to you. I get that. Everyone, everyone wants that, right? A lot of people think they want to get into business because it's some sort of creative outlet for themselves to sort of manifest this vision of themselves they always wanted to be. That's an ego-driven approach, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But the problem ultimately is that's not sustainable because the purpose of a business is to make profit. The purpose of a business is to provide goods and services to consumers in such a quantity that you produce enough profit, revenue that produces enough profit, right? So if you're getting into real estate or any business as some sort of, um, I don't know, if you want to call it a fulfillment uh, project, which and I hear that a lot. You know, a lot of people say, I wanted to get into real estate because I have this vision of myself. And, you know, and those are the types of agents and business owners, really, that will get suckered into the, a lot of the ego stuff that's out there. They'll get suckered into believing that it's all about your brand. You need to become an influencer. They're not actually taking the time to earn the right to be of service to people. So they never actually, as a result of that, become very successful because they focused on the wrong thing. Now, how do you know if you're focusing on the right thing or the wrong thing? I'm going to tell you guys a little hack for this. I actually thought of this yesterday. I was going to share it with all of you today. I was on a coaching call. This was, I don't even remember how many years ago. It was probably 15 years ago. And I had, uh, I remember this call very well because it was like a shared epiphany, one of those ahas I had as a coach and he had as a client. And I had this really, really wonderful uh, coaching client, great guy, great family, you know, everything, everything going for him, great community guy. There's no real inherent problems. The reason he wouldn't be, you know, essentially very successful at whatever he put his mind to. 
So he wanted to call his centers of influence and past clients, and he wanted to call, he also wanted to call expired listings, because in his market at the time, 15 years ago, there were a lot of expired listings. He wouldn't do it, or he wouldn't do it at a high level. So he was understanding the importance of doing what he didn't want to do, and he didn't want to do it, but he just wasn't doing it at a high level. He wasn't getting the result. And, you know, he and I went back and forth, a number of coaching calls, and I'd role play with him. I'd listen to what he was saying. When he was on the phone with me, it sounded great. He was saying the right things, doing the right things, just perfect. His voice sounded great, very clear, wasn't, you know, doing anything silly. So, you know, eventually I asked him, so what's going on in your head when you're about to pick up the phone? And he kind of told me what he thought I wanted to hear. And I said, hmm, let's find out. I said, so do you have your you know, expired list handy? And he was using Red X. And by the way, if you guys should be considering using Red X as well, it's a great source for expired leads for sale by owner leads. And they do offer a discount for our uh, subscribers and our coaching clients. Just text the word R-E-D to 47372. Text the word RED to 47372. And they will give you a $150 discount. That's the service Julie and I used when we sold real estate too. And essentially what they do is they go and they'll pull up all the phone numbers like for expires or for sale by owners and other sources of leads as well. So then all you got to do basically is, you know, follow the scripts and follow our system and start making the calls and start making the contacts. Um, anyway, I'll, there's a lot of other exciting things I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys about Red X in the future, but not today. So yeah, go ahead and text the word RED to 47372. And remember when texting, by the way, message and data rates may apply. So I asked him, I said, okay, pull up your Red X account and we're going to actually do a live call. I'm going to listen to you while you make a phone call. And he said, okay, coach, I'll do it. They started doing it. And then I heard the phone ringing, ringing, ringing. And then finally someone answered and he didn't sound a damn thing like he sounded like when he was role playing with me. <laughs> Nothing. His tonality and his voice changed. He had no confidence. I just got this strong vibe that he wanted, that he was uncomfortable. He wanted to get off the call. You know, it was a completely different guy. And I was like, aha, there's the problem, right? Real obvious, you know? So then I asked, then we got done with that call. He hung up. And then I said, well, tell me exactly what you were, um, I didn't say thinking. I said feeling when she answered the phone. So I had said thinking, he had given me an analytical answer. He would have told me, again, you know, giving me some sort of formulatic answer. I'm supposed to say this, she's going to say this. Like he's going to give me that kind of scripted response. But when I said feeling, that's when we both self-discovered what was really going on. He said when he was making calls to people or any kind of solicitations, and, you know, that is what we're doing as salespeople, his heart and his mind fills with anxiety about how it makes him feel, what he's thinking about. So all of his attention goes to his ego when he's actually supposed to be putting all of his attention on the other person. So he's about to pick up the phone or he's even talking with somebody. And he's, his mind is full, and he, he wrote all these things down. That's what he did. So write down all the emotions that you're feeling when you're making those phone calls or you're having a conversation. And he wrote things down, and I've done this hundreds of times, if not thousands of times since. Um, but he wrote things down like, things like, sorry, COVID brain, give me a little break here. <laughs> he wrote things uh, like, uh, what are they going to think of me? I don't want to seem desperate. What if they say something mean? Are, are, you know, are they going to think that, like, I'm a pushy salesperson? You know, all these things. So his brain was filling with all of these thoughts that were revolving around having his feelings hurt, he was amiable, and being rejected. That's where all of his thoughts went. Every single thought in his brain filled to, went to exactly to fight or flight. And then when he picked up the phone, guess what he was wanting to do? Flight, not fight, right? He wanted to get the hell off the phone as fast as possible. And it was obvious thus he wasn't getting any results. So here's what we did. And this will work for you as well. Is I had him write these simple words down. You know, and it was some iteration of this, but you'll get the gist of it. You guys can, uh, you know, uh, change this to your liking. But the, the essence of it is, is you have to unplug the ego. And by unplugging the ego, then you can focus on the other person. So I had him write down, what, how can I be of service to you, right? Very simple. How can I be of service to you? Or I want to be of service to you. My mission is to be of service to you. If you're spiritual, you can even add more complexity to it to even make more meaningful to you. You guys get what I'm saying. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Bible verses that are attached to this, right? So, in other words, our highest and truest purpose on this planet is to be of service to other people. And he knew that, he did, but he had lost connection with that. And what his mind was doing was filling with the fear-based things, like I was just describing to you. And that is the very essence of why so many of you, that right there, why so many of you are so attracted to passive lead generation. Because the very thought of putting yourself in a position where you have to have a conversation with a decision-making adult that might result in them saying no 
or something like that fills you with so much fear that all the worst thoughts about yourself just absolutely manifest instantaneously in your mind. Do you guys get it? I'm trying to, you know, make a real, uh, make a point in such a way that you'll get it. But that's what happens with a lot of people. And that irrational fear is the very fear that keeps most people from moving forward with actually learning how to be proactive lead generators. But here's the other thing. That is same line of thinking is what destroys relationships in, on all levels, personal relationships, professional relationships, but it's also the some, same types of thoughts that prevent you guys from building wealth because all of this goes back to, you know, essentially those inner voices in our head that if we're not uh, omnipresent of them, they actually control our output. So you have some existing thoughts about you being a salesperson, right? You do. We all do, right? You have some existing thoughts about you being rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. If you don't take the time to truly be introspective and write those things down, you're never going to root out the old software that needs to be rooted out and replaced with your updated thinking. And that old software is always going to bog you down. And it, for that exercise that I just uh, you know, walked you guys through, it, it wasn't until he and I did that live call together that I heard what was actually going on. And then when he heard what was going on, when we kind of talked about it and I put it in the light of day, he didn't even know he was sounding that way or reacting that way when he was making calls. He didn't know his behavior was changing that radically. So when he, when, essentially when I, you know, showed him and we talked about it and I demonstrated it to him, after that, guess what happened? It wasn't right away, but within a week, he started setting appointments like crazy. And his whole focus had moved away from himself, his ego, all these little fearful-based thoughts to being of service to the other person. That means when that other person picked up the phone, and this is where it goes, when the other person was maybe being a little rowdy with them, it's generally speaking, and this is how I explained it to him, is that the, if you're calling somebody and they're anxious and they're upset or they're just in any way making you uncomfortable, don't allow your ego to respond to that because really what's going on is when you're calling somebody, especially a, a expired, and they're not reacting like with open arms, it's probably because they're scared. It's, they're scared because their house didn't sell. They're scared because maybe they're in a financial situation that they'd rather not be in. They're scared because they need help and they don't know how to ask, right? That's what was really going on. And that's what was really, that will really happen in your own experiences when you're willing to move past being so egotistical about your approach to real estate. So when I say, guys, this business is about being of service to others and everything you want in life is on the other side, financially especially, on helping more people accomplish their goals, a lot of it is, you know, ego-based. You're going to have to move past your ego's natural resistance to exactly what I just described and change. And the nice thing is, is once you just, you just experiment with what I just said, but then when you backfill it with skills, then you become lethal. No amount of branding and marketing and Instagramming and TikToking is going to compensate for skills. If you have skills and then you backfill with the social media, then you've got something special. But if you have to choose between learning how to be a very proactive, very skills-based agent uh, versus someone who's basically just all social and flippity-jibbity, then you need to obviously go with the agent who's going to uh, go the route with the, uh, for the agent. Hold on, I'm going to turn up this a little bit. Go with the, go, uh, with the agent that's going to be skills-based. I just turned up the volume a little bit. Hopefully that helps. All right, so let's get back to the second question. i got to open my computer again. This is my computer opening music. All right, second question. What is your product? What do you produce? We talk about this on the podcast all the time. What is your product? What do you produce? And the simple answer to that question is profit. And so many of you have forgotten that. Yes, I did have the volume down too low, so hopefully that's helping um, for those of you guys who are sick of having to crack your own volume up. I think I fixed it. All right, your product in your business. And ask yourself this question, because this goes back to a lot of basically, again, false, uh, bad thinking about real estate practices. If your business is not like most big brokerages, ready for this? And I talked yesterday, we talked to five or six big real estate teams. Big real estate teams, let's say teams doing 50 million plus, they're going to be making maybe a 10 or 12% net profit. A real estate brokerage, because of all the expenses with running a real estate brokerage, and the biggest one being commission splits, real estate brokerages on average are going to make less than 3% net profit. Many of them struggle to make 2% net profit. So, Here's the moral of the story. When you're a real estate, the most profitable uh, position in a real estate brokerage is the individual agent, provided the individual agent is focused on profit. 
because you have the opportunity. Like I had a great call with a guy named Jeremy yesterday. He is somebody who's joining our EXP Realty Group with Dan Lesniak. And Jeremy, was, I think he was doing $30 million in volume. He had one assistant. And guess what? When he's, you know, basically when he earns a dollar, he's keeping like 98% of it because he doesn't have a lot of overhead. That's a very, very profitable business. And, uh, you know, we, there's lots of reasons that you have to be very clear about what your product is. Because if your product is awards, if your product is, you know, all the ego recognition that so many agents are addicted to, you're going to spend what would have been your profit to get more of it, or you'll make bad business decisions. For example, you might decide that you want to sell 1,300, 1,400, 15, 2,000, 10,000 houses, right? What are you going to have to sacrifice in order to make that happen? You're going to have to be doing a constant, uh, never-ending pay-per-click, all kinds of buying lead campaigns. You're going to have to have lots of staff, lots of overhead, because you're focused on selling that enormous amount of houses. You want to break all records, and you want to you know, make it so that no one's ever done what you've done before. But you're focusing on that really, really big number, which I guess is great. But at the end of the day, what you're going to have to sacrifice is all the profit that you would have made from actually having sold that real estate. You know, would it surprise you guys, without naming names, that I know some top producers who have made over $10 million in real estate commissions per year who make less than a million dollars in profit from the $10 million they make in real estate commissions that their team makes? Do you guys follow that? Here, let me put it in perspective. Let me change gears on you ever so slightly. If you are running a team and you're making a million dollars a year, and let's say it's not a big team, it's less than 10 agents, and you know you have four buyers agents, and just the normal thing. You're making a million dollars in commissions. Some of you, that's not a lot. Some of you, that's a lot. It doesn't matter. I'm just trying to make a point. Follow the math. All right. You're going to make probably, as the person who's running the team, you're going to make maybe 120 to 150 grand from running that team. It, there it is. And some of you are going to make a lot less if you're spending too much money on ego stuff like branding, right? Now, if you are an int, so for you to make, uh, as a, running a team, you earn a million dollars, you're going to make 100, and, let's call it 150 grand. Let's say you're running 15% margins. For you to make 150 grand as an individual practitioner, and you guys are a lot of you are doing it, you have to probably sell about or earn about 200 grand, maybe depending on your market, maybe only 175 grand, right? So you're, we, you will end up doing more work. Um, on the you know on the root level, but you'll make more profit for less hassle with less risk. And as you're entering into a market like this, where there's headwinds, when lead generation costs go up, when rents are going to increase, when utilities are going to increase, all these fixed costs, the costs are you know not really fixed. They're going to increase, but the revenue starts to decline or slow. A lot of these big brokerages and teams are going to have to take a new approach to the real estate businesses. And that's the reason that so many agents are joining and teams and brokers are joining EXP Realty. And we're having these conversations every single day because what EXP Realty is providing for a lot of agents, new agents and big teams and brokers is the next natural step. So here's the thing that's difficult to understand. And, and this, if you allow yourself to uh, really internalize what I'm about to say, it'll actually be a big relief valve for some of you. You are smart to follow the business model that made you successful in the past. Just because that business model uh, made you successful in the past doesn't mean it's going to make you successful in the future. As the environment changes, which I mean, come on now, interest rates, inflation, all these things have changed really in the past, what, 10 months in a very, very profound way. And they're going to be continuing to, inflation, this isn't a short-term thing. This is going to be 10 years. We're in a completely different economic cycle now. Uh, only similar to what we experienced from 1967 to 1982. Do your homework on that. So when the rules change, if you try to make an old business model work uh, with a new environment, you're going to needlessly suffer. So you were smart to do what you did in the old market. I'm talking to a lot of those big teams out there. A lot of the big teams who are holding on, waiting, and hoping that the economic situation returns to the way it was you know, 10 months ago, you're going to suffer needlessly. Don't do it. Just elevate yourself to the next level in your real estate business and think about, okay, how can I essentially make the most of what this new market has to offer? What do I have to change? What do I have to adapt to? And these are the calls that, you know, me and frankly, Dan Lesniak have been having consistently over the past few weeks. A lot of big teams, a lot of brokers, they're saying, you know what? My business worked okay in the past, uh, you know, business model, but I can see in this new economy, 
uh, it's not going to work as well, and I want to see what's next. And that's the reason so many people are joining EXP Realty. Obviously, we'd love to talk with you about joining us at EXP Realty. If you're interested, just text me directly at um, you know my cell phone number, which is 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. So what is the product you produce? It's definitely profit. If you're not producing profit, then you're not going to have anything to reinvest, and there's no point in you being in business because you're running a nonprofit. Question number three, what is your definition of rich? What is your definition of rich? Please don't say happiness. Don't say an emotional word. That is proof that you aren't drilling down and you're just going with the easy, trendy response, right? Your definition of rich, and I'll give you ours, is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. If you want to be happy, here, I'll tell you how to do it. Make it so every single day when you wake up, you have enough money coming in that you don't ever have to worry about earning money again. In other words, you've finally broken free of the the tyranny of the transactional lifestyle. You've finally gotten to the point where your income is completely passive. Everyone says that they want it. I hear that all the time. Everyone wants passive income. I don't think that's true. I heard that this morning. Um, I was on a call with a great gal named Nicole, and she said everyone wants passive income. And I thought to myself, if that were true, more people would have passive income. I don't think everyone wants passive income. I think most people are terrified of having passive income because I think what most people want is they do want the tyranny of a transactional lifestyle. They do want to have a schedule. They don't want to break the mold. They don't want to be the crab that tries to get out of the bucket. They don't want to try to be special or exceptional. They just want to be normal. They just want to be gears in someone else's machine. And that sounds harsh. And it's not though. It's just reality. That's the reason most people choose to be in that lifestyle their entire lives. Generations live like that. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. So I don't believe everyone wants to be rich. I don't believe everyone wants to have passive income because the thing is, it's not difficult to accomplish either goal. There's so many people that have come before all of us that all we got to do is replicate what they're doing. It's not difficult, especially, frankly, when you look at something like EXP. That's what I was talking with Nicole about. When you look at EXP and all the offers, all the opportunities it offers as far as you know, normally you just have in a real estate brokerage, you as an agent, you have money coming from transactions. Well, EXP, you have revenue share. EXP, you're an owner in the company. So you have equity in the company, actual stock, and many other ways that you can make money. That's exceptional. So you have multiple streams of income that you're producing by doing what you're already doing. You know, that's not, that's not normal for real estate agents uh, to, to be experiencing. Why don't more people do it? Because I think people are afraid of being free. People ultimately are afraid of being financially free because they don't know what's on the other side of it because they don't know anyone that's accomplished it. You guys get it? I mean, it's difficult to actually think what would your life be like if you didn't... Here, let me reframe it. What would be the same in your life if you were financially free? If all of a sudden you are financially free, what wouldn't change in your life? What wouldn't change? Would you live in the same place? Would you vote for the same people? Would you wear the same clothes? Would you have the same haircut, right? Think about it. Would you eat the same food? Would you drive the same car? Everything would change. But what would mostly change is what you were afraid of because you wouldn't be so easily manipulated if you were free. If you were financially free, so you didn't have to work for money anymore, your money was working for you. So you weren't essentially worried about all the financial things that everyone else is being controlled by You know, that's the way the system works. You keep everyone fearful, you keep them under control. The way you keep them fearful is you keep them broke, you keep them in debt. As soon as people are not broke, as soon as people are not in debt, as soon as people are rich, they are no longer manipulable. They're no longer, you vote for me, you know, I'll give you $10,000 of your student loan debt forgiveness if you vote for me. They're not going to be so pliable. They're going to start making decisions that are actually based in logic, not based in fear. Fear is debt is a mechanism of control. It always has been, always will be. And it's necessary. It's, it's part of the, you know, the grease that makes the economy work too. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not inherently bad. But what it does to people over time is it makes them debt slaves. And that makes it so that you never have the opportunity to even experience emotionally what it would feel like to not have to worry about money all the time. So the real big, I think, emotional experience that if you allow yourself to have this, I know it's going to be, a lot of you, it's going to have to be require some praying and some meditation or something. If you can just attach for a millisecond what it would feel like to wake up every single day and never have to worry about money again, 
In other words, you knew no matter what, you didn't want to work that day or you wanted to go fishing all day, you wanted to play with your kids all day, you wanted to ride your bike all day, you wanted to go and volunteer at the local, you know, whatever all day. It doesn't matter. Your end result of your financial well-being would not be adversely affected. Matter of fact, not only would it not be affected in a, in a bad way, but you'd actually become richer that, that day. You wouldn't get poorer for not having contributed. You'd actually get richer. That's what happens when you allow yourself the, you know, to be free from the tyranny of essentially debt, the tyranny of having to have a transactional life your entire life. There's nothing wrong with having to earn money. That's honorable. That's noble. But if you have the opportunity to have it so the money starts earning itself for you where you can be rich... Don't you have a moral obligation to be rich? Don't you? If you know how to be rich, where you can basically set yourself free, where you can then show other people how to be free as well. And remember, the only way you're going to do it is by creating value for other people. The way, only way you're going to do it ultimately is by helping other people accomplish their goals. So you're actually making your life better, their lives better, and you're making the world better. It's all self-interest, right? You're focusing on making yourself better you're focusing on improving your financial situation and, uh, and your overall situation. And by in order for those things to happen, you have to help other people accomplish the same goal. You can't do it in isolation. I can't make my family's life meaningfully better unless I make all of your lives meaningfully better, right? I can't. It's, it's impossible. In order for Julie and I to accomplish our goals in our lives, we have to help millions of people, we have big goals, <laughs> accomplish their goals in their lives. Accept that, embrace it, love that, and be in alignment with that because your highest and truest purpose in this planet is to be of service to other people. And oftentimes, if you're not rich, it's simply for the fact that you're playing too small. You're worried about going from your, you know, your comfortable warm bed to your comfortable warm car to your comfortable warm office to your, you know, you're surrounding yourself with nothing other than going from one comfortable thing to another. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but a lifestyle of always just focusing on your own comfort and your own pleasure and your own emotions and your own, all this egocentric stuff, you're not even coming close to becoming the person you otherwise could. Think about it. When are you the happiest? When you're helping somebody else. So don't you think you'll be a hell of a lot happier when you're helping a hell of a lot more people? Of course you will. And guess what? The benefit is on the other side of that, you actually become very wealthy. These are all mindset things that are rooted in absolute truisms, and it's not convoluted. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's not difficult to accumulate money. It sure as hell isn't difficult to become successful in real estate. But yet, how many of you want it to be complicated? That goes back to an ego thing. Like when Julie and I say, in real estate, you have to get good at these five things. Proactive lead generation, pre-qualifying, presenting, negotiating, and lead follow-up. You get good at those five things, you can be marginal, if terrible at all, everything else in real estate. You guys don't like that. A lot of you want it to be more complicated. Tim, what about your CRMs? What about your systems? What about your this? What about your that? Nope. You get good at those five things. You can suck at everything else. True story. But you don't choose to get good at those five things. Why? They're all skills-based. They require work. They require time. They require possibly getting rejected. In other words, they're going to require you moving past thinking about yourself all the time and moving towards thinking about being of service to other people. That little tiny, like I took you through on that coaching call that I had, that little tiny learning experience, if you allowed yourself to have that, would change your world forever. All right, here's the next question. Why do you, or do you think that selling real estate will make you rich? Will selling real estate make you rich? Here's the answer. Nope. You can only get rich with the profit that you get from selling real estate. Selling real estate in itself will not make you rich. Okay? Selling real estate is just selling real estate. If you want to actually have profit so that you can then reinvest that profit so you can get rich, that is only coming from running a profitable business. So that's very, just be very clear about that. Now, here's, a, here's one of my favorite questions. Um, I, I can tell you where I got this question originally from just a bunch of observe, observing you know, people over time, but this is kind of a fascinating question. Ask yourself this one question. If you have to choose between being famous I'll even add another word to make it even more complex. Being famous or an influencer, right? Or being rich, which would you choose? Now, a lot of you who've been brainwashed into thinking that you have to be famous and be an influencer in order to be rich are now saying the wrong answer and you're going to fight that like it's a religious battle. Go for it. That's your own hill to die on. Because the reality of it is, is you do have to choose. 
You have to choose if you're going to be famous or if you're going to be rich. Now, here's the thing that happens. Once you actually are very successful um, at, at you know selling real estate and because you've helped a lot of other people, you see all this always goes back to the same thing, helping other people. In order to earn the right to help people, you have to have the skills that those people demand. You see all this always circles back to the same thing. What happens over time is the results that you've gotten for other people, the sold signs in your case, as many of you, that's what will make you famous. But those of you who seek fame, thinking that's going to make you rich, that is the 100% proven generation over generation recipe for financial disaster. You think branding and marketing and all this stuff is new? Nope. Been around forever. It comes and goes. It goes when the economy changes. It's going now. Watch. And the agents that are going to stand tall are the ones that have the skills. You can make your um, proactive lead generation more, uh, you can enhance it with social media, but you cannot replace the proactive lead generation with social media. And some of you are finding this out the hard way. Some of you are saying, Tim, my social media worked to make me, to help me sell houses, you know, over the last, you know, five or six years. You're not understanding. Those houses would have sold with or without you because there was so much FOMO in the market. You're, those buyers or sellers would have done a deal with or without you. In this new market, you're going to actually have to earn the right to be that age, be that client's buyer, uh, you know, their buyer agent or their, their listing agent. More than you ever have before. They're going to pre-qualify you. You might get the listing just based on the fact that they like you, but you're not going to get it sold because all the rules are changing. Guys, it's not difficult to master the art and the science of being a very successful long-term real estate um, agent. You know, it isn't. It, it's the same thing over and over again. It's just repetitious boredom. You're going to discover that, especially when it comes to proactive lead generation, it's the same conversation over and over and over again. I used to call it working at the post office, right? I figured working at the post office must have been you know, somewhat like becoming a very successful business owner. Boring, predictable, duplicatable. That's what you want. You don't want a lot of drama. You don't want to have to constantly be figuring out what the latest and greatest lead generation wizard is. You don't want to figure out how you can get more likes on Instagram or whatever. You just want to have a boring, predictable business because then you, predict, then you start producing boring, predictable results, and then you start producing boring, predictable assets, and then it makes you amazingly, glamorously rich. That's the way it works. And there are no shortcuts. It takes a long period of time. It takes sometimes decades of doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. You'll have other little, you know, uh, you know, I'll call them success moments along the way. But the real payoff happens when you are able, you know, remember the uh, plane uh, taking off analogy and getting to cruising altitude and the rest of it? That takes a long period of time. And you're going to have to be willing to put in the long period of time. There are no shortcuts. If you find yourself... As a young person, this is generally speaking, and all of us went through this, right? I remember, in, you know, Julie and I are in our 20s. We are easily manipulated with our egos. I remember when we sold 100 houses our first year, and all of a sudden the world just, like, you know, we, <laughs> we told this story before, I won't bore you, but the long story short is the world just opened itself up to us. Julie and I were finding ourselves in the real estate industry, much to our surprise and honestly much to our chagrin, being famous, and we didn't really know what to do with it. And our egos never experienced anything like that before. And we were being flown different places and being featured in different things. And people were paying us money to just all kinds of things. We were, we were just a couple, you know, agents from central Ohio that all of a sudden we did something that we didn't realize it was even remarkable. And uh, yeah, and that's what happened. That's, I, that is basically what happened. Um, and so what we did is we got our, our egos, because we weren't prepared for it, started wanting more. Like all these people say we're so great, we must be great. And we got, and Julie and I got off mission. Our original mission was to buy enough rental properties that by the time um, I was 40 and she was 39, we'd basically be able to live off the cash flow from the rental properties. We did it. It took us a year longer, but we did it. We would have done it faster had we not allowed ourselves to get off track uh, and allow our egos uh, to pursue more ego gratification. We moved away from what our original mission was which is to be rich where our money works for us and we no longer have to work for money. For like two or three years, then we got back on course and you know we caught up the best we could. All I'm trying to do is share all this with you guys is because you've got to be really clear about what your mission is when you started your own business. Was your mission to be famous or was your mission to be rich? All right, so ask yourself, what is the desired thing to be, like ask yourself, is your desire for things to be easy, avoiding doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it? Uh, at the highest level, greater than your desire to be rich and free. Because if it is, you're always going to succumb to the easy buttons. If your desire is for things to be easy, 
if you're just if you think you know it's not worth doing unless you have passion for it if you think that you you don't have to do it or it's not meant to be if it's not something that makes you happy you're always going to always going to financially struggle that just is the way it is people that tell you that do something that gives you passion on the other side of that will make you rich that's just not true you can't do anything for um, passion is a fleeting uh, emotional wonderful experience right it's something when you experience it you love it and it's great, but it doesn't last. And so if you're only working at a high level when you have that little spark of energy, how are you ever going to get really consistent results? You're not. All right, hold on. Coffee break. Give me two seconds. There you go. Proof the show's not edited for those of you who are doubting. All right. So are you addicted to motivational live events? Are you dis- dis- uh, addicted to mindset gurus? Are you addicted to watching you know, motivational things on uh, YouTube? Are you addicted to people that are just filling your brain with platitudes about success and mindset and all the rest of it? You're focusing on the wrong thing. So here I'm going to give you guys the cure for those of you who are mindset guru junkies. Ready? Here it is. Again, it's very simple because simple is always, you know, Occam's razor, right? Simplest answer is almost always the right answer. If you want to change your emotional state, change your physical state. If you want to change your emotional state, uh, change your physical state. So if you're not feeling motivated, you have to, if you're not feeling like making phone calls or if you're not feeling like working out, if you're not feeling like whatever, start doing it. And then what happens is, yes, you'll feel some resistance at first, but of over not that much time, you're gonna, your mind will start being in sync with what you're doing physically. So your emotional state, your physiology will follow your physical state. I'm going to give you an example that I wouldn't give if Julie was on the podcast. (laughs) I heard this on Dr. Laura Schlesinger, and this was a long time ago, but it was such a great way of expressing this. So I don't know if you guys read Dr. Laura books. Julie and I did. She was formidable in our, you know, when we were setting, when we originally got married, we used to listen to her every day. And she kind of gave us a lot of framework for how to have a long-term marriage. And we've been married 31 years uh, last uh, week. So I guess good advice, right? So um, she had somebody call in and it was a lady. And the lady was like, I just don't feel sexual towards my husband. Like I said, I wouldn't give this example if Julia's on the podcast today, just because it would embarrass her. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, I mean, she doesn't like us talking about, you know, you guys get it, right? <laughs> so I'm uh, listening to this uh, Dr. Laura thing. Lady calls in and says, I'm not feeling very sexual to my husband. And, you know, uh, we have had three or four kids and we've been married for like eight years. And she had this long drawn out, you know. And, and a normal, what would a normal doctor, well, you need to go on antidepressants or you need to be doing this or no. And so Dr. Laura said this, she said, well, you know, first of all, she started with a question like, what, 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 when you did feel that way, what was like, what was it like? Like, what were you guys, you know, and she said, well, we'd first gotten married and we'd maybe, you know, and she kind of gave a little brief overview of when they'd have their, you know, sexual you know, exchanges. It's even hard for me to talk about this, right? I'm such a prude. <laughs> uh, you know, when before they had kids and she talked about it a little bit and you could hear the lady's tonality in her voice changing. So this is what Dr. Laura said. Dr. Laura said, go get some lingerie. Dr. Laura said, you know, get some candles and, you know, gave her some other suggestions too. Uh, and then she said, even if you don't feel like it, do it. She said, even don't eat and, and the lady, the lady like put up all kinds of resistance. She says like, I remember this very clearly because it was fascinating because she didn't get Laura off what, her point. And so the lady said like, oh, I, you know, we tried that before. They always say that, right? Oh, I've tried it before. I've tried to do that. It doesn't work. I tried to do that. No, you didn't. You didn't really try. You just basically, you didn't, you, you know, it's doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. And then she wasn't doing the last bit at the highest level. Get it? So Laura was pressing her to do it at the highest level. So the lady finally agreed. And I remember it was like two weeks later, the lady called back and then she was just like giggling. She sounded like, you know, she was describing the relationship as being completely reignited. There are newlyweds again. And Laura asked her to describe what she had done. And, and the lady said, well, for the first couple nights, you know, neither of us really wanted to do it. We were out of practice and, you know, we, you know, it'd been months and, and I wasn't really in the mood and it took me a little while. And sure enough, I got in the mood. And then we both started feeling like it again. 
And then we, you know, the next day, the same thing, the next day. And then, you know, right, that's what happened. And then they now are, I guess, you know, based on what this lady calling in was, they got in their sexual relationship back on track, which is really important for a long-term marriage. I'm sure all of you will agree. So the moral of the story was in that example, man, am I off track for a real estate coaching? I'm blaming the COVID, by the way. So if this podcast is weird, I'm blaming the COVID. Uh, so that's an example of where, Changing your physical state changed your emotional state. That's what I was trying to express to you guys before by getting into action from, you know, if you're not feeling like doing something, go do it. Like if you're not feeling appreciation, show appreciation to another person. If you're not feeling respected, show respect to somebody else. If you're not feeling heard, go listen to somebody else. If you're not feeling love, go give love to somebody else. So whatever you want, give it away first. And then you'll find what that does is it breaks down your ego's resistance to receiving it. And that's actually what happens in life. And if you can stay in tune with that, what I'm trying to hopefully help you guys feel emotionally, then it's going to make it so all the things that you are avoiding in the real estate business and probably in your life, the things that are actually going to get you the greatest results, you're going to start wanting to do them. All right. So here are the core spokes. And this is the, this is the review and I'm going to summarize. So number one, step one is to master your craft as a listing agent primarily. Step number two and we talked about this in the previous shows, is have low personal overhead. High personal burn rate is going to always be something that will always be an obstacle for wealth accumulation. Because if you have high personal overhead, that means you're also probably paying a lot in taxes. And if, you know, a lot in taxes, a lot in overhead is not going to leave a lot left over for you to have a large net profit, you know, beyond your own personal expenses. Step number three, Master creating a savings plan, build reserves, cash and gold. I talked about that on show number two. Uh, step number four. Oh, no, we're not gold bugs. Gold is just cash. It's, it's gold is money. Gold has been money for 2,000 years. I had some people on, you, on YouTube that were trying to mix it up with me, the crypto people. I'm not going to respond. I'm not saying gold is an investment. I'm saying gold is merely a store of wealth. And I said gold and cash. That was my previous point. So for those of you who want to try to you know, argue with me about crypto, not taking the bait, not interested all right, step number four, hedges, hedges. That means that you want to create insurance basically against your worst cases. And the worst cases, and I talked about this on the second show, you know, you want to have good health insurance. You want to have good, uh, air, an umbrella policy. You want to have good errors and emissions insurance. You want to store all your assets in LLCs. And I suggest all of you guys looking into Nevada Spendthrift Trusts. We talked about all that. So if you make a list, and the, and the topic of that pod was um, the greatest wealth destroyers. So if you make a list in your own head of the greatest wealth destroyers, uh, or just use the ones that I gave you, there are always going to be things that you can uh, hedge against, right? There are always things you can buy literal insurance to protect against or to mitigate the worst case scenario. Um, and that's, again, go back and listen to that second podcast. That is going to be step number uh, three. Ste I'm sorry, that was step number four. Step number five is create non-transactional, uh, non-transactionally dependent cash flow. And that is really the main thing. So what you should be doing when you're, um, when you, so here's what a lot of agents do, and this is the wrong thing to do. They'll sell, they'll get to selling real estate, and then they think they're supposed to start flipping houses. And I see that happen a lot. So I'm going to give you guys a little rule of thumb. Take it from your old friend, Tim. When you've got a good performing real estate asset, never sell it. Don't flip it. Especially many of you, because you're just going to put yourselves in situations. You're going to have to pay taxes on that gain. So if you have a good performing asset, if you have something that's good as a flip, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> it's probably even better as a long-term rental. So you might want to keep a, a, a think about holding that and not just thinking about, you're, again, you're stuck in this mindset about transactional income. That's where you're focused. You got to focus downrange. You got to be thinking about building wealth. Uh, but really, the greatest wealth uh, creator that I've ever seen, outside of frankly long-term investing in index funds and like the S&P 500, is definitely getting involved with EXP Realty. I've never seen in the 30 years Julie and I've been in the real estate business another way that's going to produce. It well, look, it's not a guarantee. You're going to have to work it. It's like everything else, right? It's not like join EXP Realty and the red carpet's going to be rolled out to you and all your financial worries are going to be over. No, you have to join EXP Realty. You have to create a plan and you have to implement the plan, right? And that's, you know, that's the reason thousands of agents join with our group at EXP Realty is because that's what we focus on. 
There's lots of agents. Most agents actually join eXp Realty and all they want to do is they want to join eXp Realty because it's a stellar brokerage. And I get it. And that's a great move for many of you. I've had conversations in the last two weeks uh, with Dan Lesniak and we're discovering all kinds of people that are paying $100,000, $200,000 a year to their broker. They move over to eXp, they're paying sixteen. If they move over to eXp and they're qualified for ICON, technically they're getting their cap back through eXpi stock. So there's so many ridiculous advantages to being at eXp Realty. So if you go through your list of, you know, essentially all the things we talked about, right? You know, we talked about uh, creating a consistent cash flow, creating uh, hedges, how to protect your assets, how to create multiple streams of income. And then it gets down to, you know, I talked a lot about different things in different ways you can invest. I gave you guys samples of the three fund portfolio on previous podcasts. We talked about buying rental properties. We're going to talk more on this podcast about investing in real estate. We're going to talk about wholesaling. We're going to talk about all the things, the mechanical things that you guys are interested in from the investment perspective. We're going to get more into that into future podcasts. But really what your mission is, and I want you to be really focused on this, and I don't care how old you are, whether you're 20 or you're 80, here's the question I have for you. How much is your own personal overhead per month? Like, what would be the amount of money it would take for you to be earning every month passively so that you were, by our definition of rich, in other words, you woke up every morning, you no longer had to worry about money. What's the amount of money? I'll tell you having asked that question at this point thousands of times, it's usually somewhere between $7,500 and $15,000. Occasionally, and people have more expensive lifestyles, and if maybe they're in an expensive area in Florida, you know, certainly one of the coasts, you're going to hear the numbers that are going to get into like 10, 30, you know, 10 to all the way up to like 60, 70,000 a month. That's, you know, not that unusual. A lot of people have a lot of expenses, multiple kids, multiple private schools. If you live in California and you're in the highest tax bracket without property taxes, you're paying over 50% of all your taxes between st uh, state and federal. You know, you combine your personal lifestyle things, like I said, the private schools and the all the rest of it, you're shoveling out an enormous amount of money every month just to basically live there and, and have that lifestyle. You know, these things, and I'm not, again, I'm just, these are the realities of the differences. So you, you can live in, you know, different parts of the country and have a fantastic lifestyle. Like Charleston, North Carolina, you can live up there for $7,500 a month and have a fantastic lifestyle. Same lifestyle and say, for example, you know, someplace in LA would cost you probably twenty to 30000 a month. You know, so these types of things you need to take into consideration. Where you live matters, right? Whether you live in a state that has high taxes, you know, all these types of things matter. You got to really be focusing on really what your your goal is. But the question I asked you is how much money do you have to earn per month to pay all your bills? Again, many of you, let's call it $10,000. Your primary focus, or really if you want to have a North Star, is asking yourself, how can I produce $10,000 a month passively, not from a real estate team, not, and it cannot be anything that's based on your own uh, real estate business, right? So, because a lot of you take the you know, shortcut and say, well, I've got an interest in a title company and I have my buyer's agents. No, I'm asking you, how much money would you have to earn not tied to, your, in any way tied to your own efforts for you to be um, essentially financially free? The reason I want it to be that way is because otherwise you'll never actually take it seriously. And again, it's 10,000, it's 15,000, it's 20,000. Now, that is your North Star. That is your goal. The question that you need to ask yourself and wrap your brain around this. Don't let this thought go. What would it feel like if you woke up every morning and that amount of money was coming in passively? Oh, some of you, I just read some of your minds. My spouse earns that, so I guess I'm rich. Nope, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. The whole household. If the money was coming in passively enough for the whole household, so nobody had to work, how would that feel? It's, now, here's the fascinating thing. And I, I kind of took you guys down this little quasi-spiritual journey a second ago. It's almost impossible to feel that way, to, to feel like what it would feel when you were absolutely financially rich and free. Now, I'll tell you the last time you felt that way, because you did. And I know because I have an eight and a half year old and you guys know who have, I have kids, you know, what I'm going to talk about last time you felt like that was when you were a little kid. Last time you felt like that was when you didn't have to think about money, when you, when your, you know, your creative mind was essentially putting no limitations on the person you could be, the life you'd experience. You know, that's the last time you actually felt rich and free when you were a child. That's back when you were able to think big. 
That's back when you were going to go to Paris. That's back when you were going to, you know, do all these amazing, wonderful things in your life. And what happened is you got older, your world got smaller and smaller and smaller. And now you find yourself living underneath the staircase emotionally. Okay. That happens to almost everybody, but it doesn't have to be that way. That's not required. So when I'm around our daughter, if you want to, you know, kids are going to be the ultimate motivation because obviously it takes a lot of work to, you know, raise them, let alone pay for them, but also motivation because how they think, they think without boundaries. They think without any kind of mooring lines due to, you know, virtue signaling or politics or, you know, financial restraints. She has no idea what money is. She could care less. You know, it's just all about, you know, and she doesn't put value on one thing or another. I mean, a branch could be as magical as a new computer. That's incredible, right? Isn't it? Isn't that how, isn't that like the freedom, the sense of wonderment, the appreciation of life that we all want to experience? We can. It's a choice. It comes on the other side of breaking free of the tyranny of having to have a transactional-based life or have a job. It's interesting, isn't it? Give yourself the gift of allowing yourself to feel that feeling. And then, now when you will go from that moment of uh, jubilation, and it'll be immediately backfilled with fear. And the immediate backfill of fear will then be filled with doubt, okay? That's going to be the process, unfortunately, many of you will experience. But here's how you can anchor yourself in in uh, in the idea that you can do it. Focus on how much money you have to earn to be financially free per month passively. Then it makes it analytical. It makes it practical. It makes it simple to focus on. If the number's 5,000, if the number's 10,000, if the number's 15,000, 20,000, figure that out. That is the point of your business. Your point of your business is to make profit. With that profit, to reinvest that profit in things that will make you passive income. EXP revenue share, just if you want to skip the line, if you want to look for a hack to, you know, saving yourself the decades, frankly, it took Julie and I to do it because EXP wasn't around when we got started. EXP revenue share is the absolute greatest wealth accelerator for real estate agents I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen anything like it. There's no comparison. It, it took Julie and I, you know, basically 20 years to create enough passive income from paid off revenue or uh, paid off rental properties that it took us maybe uh, to accomplish in less than two years of DXP, more like 18 months of DXP. And you guys can do it too. So EXP revenue share, if you were looking for a shortcut or a hack, that's about the only thing I can really, you know, I call it the seventh greatest wonder of the world, only available for real estate agents, which is, it's absolutely true. But this overall financial plan that I've created for all of you, so a lot of you are business owners and you're not, you know, real estate agents. Well, here's an idea. Get a real estate license (laughs) and join EXP Realty. But other than that, the plan I've just laid out for you guys is the plan that a lot of other people use that we've coached for generations and it definitely works. I strongly encourage you, when you start making money in real estate, don't be overly speculative. Don't just start doing flips. Start doing buying things that are going to build money and keep wealth for you slowly. Buy single family houses, buy rental properties, invest in the stock market, buy hedges against your greatest risks like I talked about. Protect your assets and keep doing what you're doing that it takes to make the profit. Don't look for, don't chase shiny objects. Don't look for, you know, don't follow trends. Just look for the things that are going to produce the most profit and become really proficient at it. Become the best version of yourself as a real estate um, listing agent primarily, especially in a market like this. All right. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this four-part series. I really sincerely appreciate you putting up with my um, my COVID brain. <laughs> it's been an interesting challenge for me to do this, but I've enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed it especially much because all of you have been given. Uh, Julie and I have so much great feedback on this series. This really, I am very, very, very reluctant to ever use the word passion when it comes to work because you guys know our stance on that. But when it does come to making, frankly, Julie and I feel passionate with regards to our coaching business and all the books we write and the podcasts, this topic makes us feel passionate because we have had so many unbelievably emotionally, um, you know, incredible experiences from those of you who have come up to us, uh, sometimes in public, but most times at real estate events, pulling us aside and thanking us for having listened. Like there's a, a the last chapter in our book, Harris Rules, is on this topic, right? So if you want to get that, uh, it's obviously, you know, in our book, get Harris Rules, Barnes & Noble, everywhere else. But this one chapter, 
Not lead generation, not team building, not branding, not scripts, not objection handlers, not sending expired. This very chapter is the thing that people are most grateful for because it is what everybody wants. They want to be free. That's what you want. That's what your soul wants. You don't be afraid on what's the other side, on what what is on the other side of you being free. Don't be afraid of what you'll do with your life on the other side of being free. Because the fact is, the best version of yourself is on the other side of being financially free. What you truly were meant to be, the person, the leader, the mom, the dad, the, the contributor, right, is on the other side of you no longer having to worry about making money. Worrying about making money is keeping you small. You're choosing to stay in that mode. You're choosing to stay broke. You're choosing to stay so you have to have a transactional lifestyle, especially after you listen to today's podcast in the last three shows we've done. Choose, choose not that because you can do better. And on the other side of that, you can become something maybe you could haven't even imagined for yourself or maybe you haven't imagined for yourself since you were an eight and a half year old. So hopefully you guys appreciate this series. Have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.